0: Give that a shot. This is going to maybe hurt my political aspirations. I better not say anything controversial. One day, let's hope. Uh, Okay, that's pretty loud. And my beard. I told him about it. He said, oh, I don't know, but you can't trust him because he doesn't have a beard. Right? Okay. Taking a shot at the beard. All right. I get it. Okay, it's finally happened. I'm up here. Quinn has uh, asked me a few times over the past couple years if I would like to do this, and I was unsure, but now I'm here, up here with this thing, looking like Britney Spears. That's what I always think of when I see these. Um, with a beard. Britney Spears with a beard. That's how I want you to think of me. Um, Britney, yeah, and uh, so we're off to a good start, I'm th- Talking about Britney Spears. Um, So, actually, uh, my talk is called, You Are the One, You're Going to Make It. Now, that is a phrase that I've altered slightly um, from a great prophet, Morpheus. (laughs) As you know. Uh, He's one of the greats. and he, if, you ever, if, you, if you've seen this movie, especially the first one, he says stuff like this about 350 times in the movie. My dad pointed that out and, like, ruined this movie for me because he's, Trinity, do you believe it now? He is the one. He's the one. You're going to make it. He's the one. So he says about 350 times. And um, that's what my talk is about. And actually, uh, it's about a book called A Hero of a Thousand Faces. Um, shout out to uh, Steve Ritchie. He's the one who introduced me to this book, um, and it's a, it's an old book, and it's about um, how there's this basic one hero archetype story, okay, that we retell over and over and over. And you've probably heard about it. You know, it's most uh, most often referred to as the Christ figure story. Um, now, the kind of funny thing about that story is that. Historically, we've even been telling as people that story before Jesus was here, which is can be confusing, Um, and you can take that in a lot of different ways, but it's interesting. And so, um, I'm also just obsessed with this story, and so I wanted to um, just kind of share some of my thoughts about uh, how it, you know, maybe affects us and why we keep telling this story. Um, First, I'll just go through the past. 50 years, actually, we've told this story. And uh, the popularity, even though the, the the story is basically the exact same, you just change some details, and we're still really desperate to hear it. We're still desperate, like, w- you know, what's going on here? So first one, um, ladies, you might want to walk away. This is pretty hot stuff. <laughs> Look at that pose. <laughs> Why did they do that? What what was that photo? Uh, There's Luke Skywalker, and as we know, he was the one uh, who could put the Force uh, back in balance, right? Um, So he's the one. And in these stories, actually, you get these really reoccurring things, right? So there's always a mentor. There's always a call to adventure, um, the mentor being Obi-Wan in this one. Um, Then you've got this guy, Neo. He's one of my favorites. I loved the first movie. And, you know, I like the two other, not because they're good, but just because I like the first one so much. But, um, and, of course, Morpheus is his mentor. Uh, and then we've got, th- now, this one is the one, this stupid kid, all right? This is why I'm here today, okay? This guy, all right? I'm gonna, I could have named this talk something really different, and it would have been called Confession. I love Harry Potter, I know, I'm ashamed of it. I don't know why I do. I love it, okay? I, what? The movie or the kid? But, well, <laughs> my wife's here. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so when I was younger, um, I, read the, I read like the first four books, and I got off track. I think I probably realized that it was kind of lame to be doing this, and I don't know. I had insecurities as a child. So I quit reading them, but I watched the movies, and I remember really liking them, but not to the level that I do now, and this Christmas, my brother got, um, my wife, every DVD works at a used DVD kind of place, and he bought all eight of them, or whatever there is, and he individually wrapped them, too, so he just gave, him, gave her gift after gift. It was really awkward, um, but uh, so we binged on these DVDs, as you do in our culture these days, and if you've ever done that, you kind of know that you just your whole world changes, and it's like now I'm at Hogwarts every day, I'm like waking up, and everything's like a mystery, and I'm reading into it, and yeah, it was bad, but I just got obsessed with it, watching them back to back, I just got really into it, and you know, when they were done, just the next day, I remember thinking, like, what's Harry going to be up to tonight? Like, but they're over, and I just started thinking, why do I like this so much? What is it about this story that I like? Uh... You know, I'm trying to like explain to myself that there's nothing wrong with me. That this is a good story, and uh, I think the question that we usually ask about this is um, why do we like it? And I think that there's lots of good answers there. Um, And I think that usually, um, or or what I think though was a a bigger question to me was it's not just that we like it. Why did it stick around? Why is it the same story, just the words are changed? And uh, why is it important? Because if you have a worldview that includes God, you kind of have to conclude that some of the things that we do, there's some kind of meaning to them. And so I'm thinking, what, what's important about this story? Why, like, why does it matter that we tell it? Um, and so this is the obvious Christian answer, I think. It is the story, right? That's what we would think. It's pointing back to the purpose of humanity, which is um, Christ, his story, c- God coming to earth, dying on the cross, uh, say one Messiah to save all people. Um, that's the story. And so maybe it's that we hear the story and our hearts are aligned with the truth that, that everything in the world, the DNA of our very world is telling this story right that's kind of like i think that's where we go usually and i think we usually stop there and i actually want to take it um one step further and this might be a little controversial but this is this is what i think this is just my beliefs and i think that it's also it's also our story um and i'm not saying that we're all individual messiahs or anything wacky like that um but i am saying that There's only one you. And in your story, maybe, just maybe, you are the one. You're going to make it. You can do it. Okay? You are Neo. The Jeff Bradley is Jeff Bradley, the Neo of his own story. But why do we, but when I'm thinking through this, I'm thinking as soon as I start saying the word destiny or calling or purpose, whatever way you want to say it, I think that generally we're going to have some uneasiness about that right? Like there was times in your life where this word wasn't a positive word maybe. And even in Christianity, I think that the opinions are pretty split on whether God has a specific plan for you, a vagueish ish plan, uh, or it's not really a plan. You just kind of have to act a certain way and believe a few things and you can kind of choose where you go. I personally believe that it's at least a vague plan. If not, a more specific plan. So I'm going to tell you just a story real quick. Um, this is where I lived the first two and a half years. Uh, I lived in England. Some of you guys know I lived there. I've got proof. Uh, so this is Thurston land. Uh, I've been there. Uh, so this is where I lived. I um, lived. I actually lived on the other side over here in in these hills. And actually, it just almost looks like it's frozen in time. It's like completely beautiful. You see all these like stone uh, stone fences and um, just these super old houses. And um, I used to actually run down through here. And there's the playground uh, that I'd run through actually down from here. And then I'd run by that church. Um, So this is – I lived up in the hills and it was – Beautiful, it was amazing, I think when I first moved there it didn 't really i didn 't even really get it. I was just so americanized i was just i it just looked old and weird <laughs> i don 't know um, but now I just you know I see how beautiful it is I miss it definitely um, so I lived there, and uh, my first year I was there I actually was at the height of my um, early christianness, and I was in that i don 't know much, but the parts that I do i 'm very loud about and i and I probably know more than ever i can 't even believe that church is even happening like this, and everything 's wrong and oh, i've got to tell people about it that kind of stuff. I was right at the height of that my first year, and uh you know I was going through sins and taking them out of my life, and I was just on fire. I was awesome at that point that 's what I thought at least and uh in that time i would got up i'd gotten into running. I was b- barely eating basically and just just kind of a weird time in my life but uh I would I was running and I I would run down this hill it's a really tall hill run down and then I turn to go onto this hill and this is the Rose and Crown and that it says Ben Shaw's soda that's a soda that they sell locally um, and I'm running down and I I've, I've gotten to about 5 miles every other day that's kind of what I was running for me that's that was pretty imp- Pretty impressive for me, because I'm not really a runner. And uh, I see this tower, which I always saw. I didn't just miss it until now. But this caught my eye, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to run to that tower. And I thought, this is a foolproof plan, (laughs) because I can see the tower, and it's so tall that anywhere I am, I'll be able to see it, and I just run towards it, just find a road that goes towards it, which in America kind of makes sense. But in England, the roads are crazy. Uh, they go all over the place, and they are determined by the hills. So they just don't really make any sense. They just kind of go wherever. But anyway, I thought if I can get there, and then once I get there, I'll just come back the way um, that I came. I know, yeah. I'm in the future, too. That's a <laughs> Mike Burbiglia joke. Like, <laughs> I, Yeah, I'm telling the story because I know that it doesn't go well. Uh, so... I'm running there, and uh, it it must have been 10 or 12 miles or something, um, and I'm feeling awesome, that glorious moment when I I found the tower. It was amazing. I thought, man, I cannot believe this worked. The problem, though, (laughs) as you might have guessed, is that I'm starting to get blisters because I've never run this far. Uh, I'm out of breath. I can't run back. And it's about an hour and a half, two hours before it gets dark. A um, little information I didn't tell you is that I also don't know my home phone number, <laughs> or really, yeah, anything about how to get back. So, <laughs> so anyway, I start. I think as I'm there, I kind of am starting to put this together. Like, hmm, I better know how to get back. So I start walking back, and you know, I'm trying to remember where the. The thing was with the sheep, but the sheep's gone, and it's you know that all the walls look the same. And so, I'm, I'm walking back, and uh, you know, I'm walking through all these houses, and I'm going, and it's like hours are passing. It's like three or four hours later, and I'm it's dark and it's raining, of course, because it's England, and I'm in a cut off shirt and shorts, which is a, not a good look for me, uh, and I'm and I'm soaking, and I'm realizing I'm walking, um, and there's this niggling feeling like maybe I'm lost. <laughs> and, uh, but I keep seeing things that are kind of familiar, but everything kind of looks the same anyway. Um, so I keep saying, oh, I know, I know this. And I turn there, and that would get way further out. And, and I realize, okay, uh, what happens if I'm lost? What do I do? And I think... Uh, I guess the best thing to do is go knock on someone's door and tell them, I live in Thurston land, will you take me there? <laughs> the problem is, I'm in a foreign country, I'm soaking wet, sweaty, blisters, I, it's not good. And if I were them, I wouldn't take me anywhere. So I, that the problem with that, so I'm lost and I don't know what to do, and the problem is giving up and facing the humiliation it 's just too massive and I use massive because that 's what the Brit- Brits say it 's massive it 's just too massive so i don 't want to do it i don 't want to give up and I think that when it when you get lost that 's what it feels like when you're when you 're lost and you don 't know what to go what to do one of the things that uh, what do they tell you as a kid when you 're lost what do you do stay where you are, stay where you are. and I think that's about the best that we've got. And so when you're lost and you stay where you are and you stop, if you're a living thing, staying where you are too long means you're going to die. Because you, because your, your muscles uh, start to deteriorate and you, it, it's not good. You, to, in order to live, you have to go. You have to go somewhere. And I think that this is kind of what this is about. This is one of the most uh, telling verses in the Bible about uh, vision and calling and um, and purpose, and it's where there is no vision, the people perish. And that's what I think it's like. If you stay still too long and you don't know where you're going, you're gonna start getting destructive because you're gonna get bored and you're gonna need something else to excite you, and you're gonna need and and, and you're gonna get you're gonna give up. Um, so just to so the thing is though, the Bible maybe you know. There's not a lot of other verses about calling and purpose. Um, they're in there, but you know you can't build a giant case on them for what I'm saying. And But the problem is I really think that reading the Bible first and foremost as a series of rules or a list of verses is actually detrimental to really getting to know God. And I think if you really want to get to know God, you can't dissect the Bible and God dies on the table, right? You, you can't do that. You have to read it like... A story. If you know the story of someone, you really get to know who they are, okay? So I'm going to play a game. It's called Who Said It. Does anyone want to read this? Do it. Read it with your most pleasant, passionate voice you can. No pressure. So, for me, this kind of sounds like it could be Braveheart or something, you know? Like, you know, what what are we fighting for? What are we doing? Who actually knows who said it? Anybody? Steve does? Who is it, Steve? Agent Smith. The soulless, lifeless guy, right? I just pluck that out of the movie. You kind of get a different flair for it, right? Okay. Now, this next one is even better, one of my favorites and uh, it's it's kind of like when someone's down and out and they're really they're having a moment of sincerity and it's and it's beautiful who wants to read this one go Who's that? Lloyd who's christmas that's right. This guy, he coined that beautiful moment, right? You take that out of context. This is what it kind of it's kind of like taking a verse out of the Bible and just saying, "Blap that." That's God. That's what God is. Let's do another one here. Last one. Who wants to read this one? Anybody? Go. strong words that's powerful right who said it anybody know i'm not even going to show a picture because i don't think he's worth it that's hitler that's a hitler quote okay so i feel like that, that's powerful okay So context is everything knowing the story of hitler this actually doesn't it's no longer inspiring it's actually twisted it makes you feel kind of sick knowing that he said that so context is everything And so I think that if you read the Bible and and you read it like a story, you see person after person after person after person that God had a specific plan for their life. And I think that if you read it that way, you're going to learn more about this. Now, I'm just going to stop right there and move over to this, and we're going to get around. Just stay with me. Um, You guys ever know nicknamers? You're a nicknamer? Awesome. Love nicknamers. We'd probably get along. I, I love nicknamers. Um, and so for this moment, I'm going to tell you my top three nicknamers. My number one you don't know is my cousin Jared. He was a real weirdo. And uh, he, he, he called me Angie. He called my brother Josh Giraffe. He called his brother Nick Davey. He called his mom Miss. He called his dad Droon. Nobody knows what that means. That's what he called him. He nicknamed everything. It's, it's so it's an endearing personality trait. I really I do like it. Uh, now my second favorite of all time is this guy, Tommy Haverford. If you watch Parks and Rec, uh, would, like I do, um, you know this guy, and uh, he's always given nicknames. And actually, his most famous nickname speech is this, and I'm going to read it just because it's ridiculous and not it's kind of a mouthful. It says. Zerts are what I call desserts, tray trays or entrees. I call sandwiches, Sammy's, Sanduzzles, or Adam Sandler's. Air conditioners are cool blasters with a Z. I don't know where that came from. I call cakes big old cookies. Fried chicken is fry, fry, chicky, chick. Chicken parm is chicky, chicky, parm, parm. Chicken cacciatore is chicken catch. I call eggs pre-birds or future birds. Root beer is super water. Tortillas, bean blankets, and I call forks food rakes. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, round of applause for Tom. Uh, I love that. I, I just love nicknames. And my number one, you might have guessed it, uh, my number one is this guy, Jesus. He was a nicknamer. It's, it's one of my favorite things about Jesus. I know it's really small, but it's, there's something so human about it. And it's powerful too, but it's also just really funny that he would do this. And my second favorite nickname that he gives is to his disciples, James and John. He calls them Sons of Thunder. And they don't even really explain what they felt like it needed to be in there. Jesus, yeah, he called them Sons of Thunder. We don't know what he was doing. You kind of get the sense from what, how they behave. They were a little cocky. Like they, they had their mom come up and say, can we sit on either side of you like in the kingdom of God? Like that's okay. I can kind of connect there. Maybe Sons of Thunder. My, what's that? In the throne room. Yeah. Like can we get up there with you? We're pretty cool. We're the sons of thunder. It's probably that that gave them the hubris to ask such a question. Um, My first favorite, though, because it's a little bit more serious, is um, what he called uh, Simon, right? And, you know, I love this because I think it really hits to the core of what what I'm saying about purpose and destiny and, and what it's like to be called into something by God and what it's like for God to speak a word over your life that changes you, that calls you into something better. And if you read about Peter, you know his nature or what he was like in his flesh was very fickle, right? Very all over the place. He It was great because he was getting really excited. But over and over he fails and he flip-flops. And he probably is the one, he's probably the Weakest one in the in the fact that he uh, he leaves Christ and denounces Christ uh, at the cross. And this guy, this is who Jesus calls the rock, and that's Peter. And uh, <laughs> Peter means uh, Peter means the rock. And he said, and Jesus said, he looked at him right away and said, "You're the rock that I'm going to build my church on." And, at, and that was contradictory, I guarantee that's contradictory to the way that Peter saw himself. And that word that he gave him spoke him into being what his spiritual self was supposed to be and what his purpose was. And I believe that that's what this, partially at least, this is what this verse is about. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it, but if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. So Peter he, he had to let go of who he thought he was. And he had to become something that he could never imagine him being. And so this fickle, flip-flopping guy becomes the rock for a, a church that you know, prevails against the gates of hell, right? So that's what I, I think if you look into the context of the story, you see something about Jesus and you see what, what it is for him to speak a fresh word into your life that, of purpose and calling and what, and what that does to you. Now, I know people don't always like this. I know there's a lot of personality types, even that just naturally don't like the idea of destiny um, or like the idea of calling or purpose. You can change the words, you know, based on how you feel about them. Um, But, you know, I think the number one reason is it's just too massive. And I think it kind of feels like uh, this story probably my least favorite story in the Bible, if I'm honest. I, I hate this story, actually. And, I, and I, it, it's, I don't know it perfectly, but it's, it's something like the Israelites are in the desert. They're desperate for water. God says he's going to cause a miracle for a rock to produce water. And Moses is going to lead this. And as far as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, he, instead of just, I don't know, telling the rock to, 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 for the water to come out, Moses hits the rock, Right? This is just a, to me it seems a little bit like a little bit different, but not that much different. So this whole purpose of Moses' life is to lead his people into the promised land, and because of that, God's like, "No, you're not going in there. You didn't obey me exactly how I wanted you to, and I, I hate that, and I think that that kind of feels like why you'd want to reject destiny. and you want to say, it's just too much, it's just too big. Now I'll just say though, I do think something happened on the cross, and I do think that we are in a new covenant of grace. And if my understanding is, the way I've seen it played out in the world is that when someone goes the opposite way, which I think that's what you do when you're born, you go the opposite way of your destiny. When someone does that or someone's on that path, I feel like every time they decide to try to get back on the path that God somehow, say your path's over here and you're going over here, God somehow just loops you right back into it. And I... I think that there's changes. There's things you can't there's choices you make you can't undo. But he, sometimes even God says your your path's over here, you go all the way over here, but while you're coming back, you're going to do things you never would have done if you were on the path the whole time. That's how much grace I think God has. That's how much he can redeem, I think, people's purpose and calling. So I don't think it's too massive. Now I think it's see it hard I, I could have changed it. I did it on accident, but I felt like it. It held it better. It hard. That's like that's the sentiment. It is just too hard. So I, I, I do feel this. I think you go to God and you say, "Okay, what do I do? Tell me what to do. Give me the word." And He's Shh. You're like, "It hard." Yeah, that's what He says. That's what He says. And and so I think even with Jesus, you see this, right? He's he's uh, healing people, and even as he's doing this, I heard someone explain it this way, and I really liked it. Is that even as he's uh, healing people, one guy's blind. and He's like, "You're not blind. It's because of your faith, and you're you're healed." And then, "Oh, you're not blind just because I wanted to do it, and I'm going to spit on the ground and put mud in your eyes, and now you're not blind." And it's like, w- okay, why? Like, what is the deal here? And I think it's almost like he's like, "You can't put me in a box." Okay. If you, if you want this, you're going to have to come with me. You're going to have to be with me, and you're going to have to let me choose how this goes. Okay, And so I, I do think it's hard, but I think if you stick with him, he, the parts that you can't put him in a box in, he'll, he'll, he'll sort that out. Last one, we've seen it go totally wrong. I think the last generation of church was all about purpose-driven life book, mega church all that jazz. And I think when you see that, what happens with the generation is you fall off a horse, but you, you get back with so much uh, you know, force that you fall off the other side. So I think maybe our generation just is like, I don't want any of this pur- purpose-driven life stuff because I don't want these giant churches and all that stuff. And I think you just end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater, basically. say so, no, there's no destiny. There's no purpose. There's no calling. We don't get all in that. We just, you know. So I think that's the other thing that happens. Uh, so i 'm trying to hurry up <laughs> okay i'm i 'm almost there i so i 'm going to go back to my story and tell you what happens with uh my running story um, so as i 'm walking um, <coughs> <coughs> <woo! coughs> um that 's not water no uh, so Got a kick. Um, so I'm walking through these houses, and I have this feeling like, eh, maybe I'm lost, but I don't want to face the facts. Uh, I keep walking. I keep kind of seeing things that maybe the path is that way, so I'm like going that way, and I keep doing this for hours, like five, six, seven hours, and I'm <laughs> yeah. and I by the time I give up, no joke. I can't see any houses. I can't see anything. I'm on, because some of the roads were like that to get home. So it was was logical. I'm on these roads. I'm soaking wet. And I, my feet are killing me. And I'm, uh, it's pitch black. There's no lights. There's no, there's no nothing, right? There's nothing. And uh, that's when I give up. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm lost, I think. (laughs) And, uh. I'm starting to be afraid, because it's been about eight hours, and uh, it's the middle of the night, and I don't know what to do. I, I don't even have a plan. Um, so I'm walking, and a car goes by, and that gives me an idea that I could flag a car down, <laughs> but it's gone. And <laughs> So I'm like, dang it, I don't know if that's going to happen again. So I keep walking, and then um, I see another cargo coming, coming by, and I... Start acting like a madman, which in the moment I'm desperate, so that seems logical, but if you're trying to wave a car down and pitch black, it's probably not the best way. Like, I'm not picking that madman up, you know? Um, so I, he stops and he says, basically, you're not getting in the car, but I'll let you use the phone. And this is kind of my moment of belief I don't know any phone numbers. But I kind of know some numbers <laughs> that, are, you know, th- that could be a phone number. and So I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll use your phone, sure. And I'm like, uh, and I call, and my dad picks up. It's my home phone number. So that was awesome, first of all. Now, I have a history of doing these kind of things, silly things. And my dad's like an accountant guy who's very straight-laced, very logical. Just, you know, he doesn't have a history of doing stuff like that. So he always kind of teases me when this kind of stuff happens. And um, I'm waiting, and I'm thinking he's going to give me an earful of, you know, you didn't bring your phone, you didn't tell anybody you were leaving, you you didn't have a plan, you ran to a tower. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And uh, what I didn't expect, though, was he was... Nearly in tears, uh, I'm not gonna cry. Uh, and I, this part gets me, um, and, and because it's out of character for him to even worry, and uh, he had called the police, and he was afraid that um, they were gonna call him with some bad news, uh, and I, t- the guy told me there was a um, a pub about a mile away, and I told him where that was, and. I walked towards that, and uh, he met me there. And actually, uh, it's silly, but he, um, when it, <laughs> when we could see each other, um, we ran to each other. And uh, I know it's just, it's a little silly, but uh, it, it was actually, there was more meaning to that, too, because I grew up uh, him singing um, that when God ran song to me. And it talks about how um he'd never seen his dad run um and it it's about the prodigal son, and so it was just a moment, I think for us because i it was something I didn't understand about my dad because we're so different um i didn't I didn't know that he cared so much um, so phew, I'm gonna get through it <coughs> back to jokes um so. It was a really powerful moment. And uh, and I think that there's something to this. You know, when I had something to look at, I could get there. And as soon as I didn't really know where I was shooting for, I got lost. And giving up and saying I'm lost was too massive until it was almost too late, right? And so I feel like even though there's not a formula to get God to tell you exactly what your calling is, um, I do think that there's this phrase repeated a lot that I think is the th- first step, which is repent and believe. Uh, I think that when you repent, you're saying, I don't know the way, please tell me the way, and believe that He can actually do it. Um, and that, I think that pattern actually is the path. The whole calling is repeating that pattern. You just keep doing that, and I think you get there. And, so I think if you, you know, when I watch these movies, I think I like uh, Neo and Harry and all these because I think they have it so easy because they're the one. If you're the one, that's pretty much the best place to be in. And, and everybody's even given you the prophecy and said, you're going to do it. You're going to be the one that does everything. It's the best situation you can be in. But the problem is, so I, but the, the thing that's not easy, and this is what the movies are about, is that they go in and out of believing it right? And I really believe that God has spoken a word over all of us and the core is repenting that we have our own word that we want to have and and believing the word that he's spoken about us and that we're we're better and more capable than uh, we believe ourselves to be. And I think this calling thing, just as a disclaimer, I think this calling thing can be being a social worker. I think it can be You know, being a good mom, being you know, I don't think it has to be killing Voldemort, (laughs) but I'd like to. I'd like a shot at it. Uh, (laughs) I think it. I I think it's just unique to you. Um, and that's pretty much it, right, Sophie? That's it. Okay, (laughs) she's my backup. All right. Thanks. Yep.